All right, what's your uh, highest Pokemon? Hmm. Uh, Lapras. Nice. I got an Aerodactyl. What level is your? I, I, I'm looking. I'm opening up the app right now. What level is your Aerodactyl? Can we talk about how good this soundtrack is? It's is so that the like. Go soundtrack. Yeah. I have mine. I have mine like off. You, so you have it off. How do you uh, get in the mood for going? <laughs> for catching Pokemon? Mm-hmm. You, you've you've got to have that soundtrack. Um, hold on. Let me see if I can open it up. Ooh, there, there's a Venonat nearby. Do you have sound effects on, too? That's probably enough. We're probably going to get sued for using the, <laughs> the soundtrack sued. too long. Um, they will own all the Pokemon. <laughs> Lapras, 1208. Nice. I'm level 15. What can I say? <laughs> we may or may not have driven around town for like two hours last night playing yeah, Pokemon. for a minute. But then we got burritos. Okay, so in the last episode, we did a special thing i did a special thing i added it um some transition sounds little like xylophone noise noises in between uh areas that are typically two different segments and um usually a little bit more difficult to cut between and so i just wanted to get your your thoughts on that yeah i love them i think that's so cool um i think it Makes us sound more official and cool, like a show, like a show. It's like an actual show. Yeah, ten episodes in. Ten episodes in. Whoa! And it's like we have an actual show on our hands. Yes. Wow, that's so awesome. Awesome. Yep. So should we keep those ones? Should we create new ones every episode? Um, maybe maybe keep those ones. I mean, we should have like a signature one. Sound. Whatever we do, yeah. whatever we have. So if we change it now, like we should go with that one for. So maybe the first one we can do, um, kind of like as a transition out of follow up, and then the second one transition into the main topic, kind of thing. <coughs> yeah. Yes. Bless you. Thank you. You just sneezed. I figured I would uh, recognize it verbally. Thank you. I love that. That's funny. <laughs> Isn't it? Do you ever feel like when somebody like doesn't say bless you, do you ever feel empty? After a sneeze, like a slight emptiness. You're like, got you. And then you're like and then waiting nothing. and nothing comes. And you're like, oh. Oh, okay. Wow. I guess this is real life. I guess nobody loves me. <laughs> it's adulting. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, let's keep them moving forward. And, and uh, yeah, I think we can have some fun with, with those. So, something that I also wanted to follow up with was in the small town of Manhattan, there were so many... Uh, different um, coffee shops. Um, yeah. We went to Rodina's. There was Blueston Bistro. There was one called Arrow that mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever been to. Arrow's Starbucks. That one, my, one, like my roommate, like was one of the founding employees of Arrow. Eric Hall. Oh, Little shout name. out to Eric. Shout out to Eric. Friend of the pod. Yeah. Friend of the pod. 
but yeah, so there's so many different, uh, then the, like Redina's had like three different locations to go to and each one had kind of their own vibe. Oh yeah. There was one on campus, on K-State's campus. One, the one that we went to all the time, which was part of the, part of Aggieville. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a prime location too. Like there's the downtown one with the bakery. Oh yeah, that one. I don't know if that was a functioning coffee shop. I think that was just their bakery. It it, it had a little bit of a, a seating like, place. Yeah. It, oh wow. It had like four or five seats. Oh cool. I didn't know that. I never been there. Then the one up on the hill, as well. Oh yeah, right across from um, university. Yeah. Church. UCC. Yeah. So, um, wow. but one one thought that I had um, that I wanted to add to the follow up is the reason that people were so set on going to each one because each each place, at least between Redina's and Blue Stem, kind of had their own things. Like Redina's coffee was significantly better than mm-hmm. Blue Stem. Blue Stem had, has very good food. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that people like stuck with one over the other right. uh, yeah. re- really had to do with um, like the communities that we developed yes. there. Yeah. I feel like I developed some some kind of like, um, not patriotism or pride, but whatever loyalty to to Redina's mm-hmm. because of the atmosphere, the lighting. I mm-hmm. loved the lighting. Yeah, the like big windows, night, the big windows. Yep, yeah, it was very window, very like naturally lit during the day, and mm-hmm. the nighttime lighting was just like so relaxing, vibey. vibey. Yeah, so vibey, and but. There's always like art on the walls mm-hmm. and blue stem seemed to have kind of a, I've never been to Europe. You have, but it seemed to have had like a European vibe at, like at night, mm. like with the lighting. Well, in, in a lot of the blue stem seating is like a really long row. Yeah. A really long wooden booth with, within like single tables in front mm-hmm. of it with a chair on the opposite side right. of the table. And I think a lot of it had to do with the ceiling though, too. Mm-hmm. The ceiling t- was like weird tiles. Like, uh, do you remember the ceiling of Bluestone? No, I don't. It was like, it was like three dimensional, like tile things. Hmm. Like it seemed like a certain, it seemed like a, an, a something from a certain era of like architecture. Like it was a very, specific aesthetic yes yeah the this i can't even i don't even know what it's called it was so unique Hmm. but just very like bump like like little leaves and stuff and like definitely yeah and the tiles on the ceiling which is like probably that probably contributed to the european vibe i was thinking but i don't know yeah just the lighting is something about it yeah so it also served alcohol yes yes i don't think Rodina's served alcohol Rodina's didn't no so it was definitely it was uh, two different vibes, right. but it it was like these different communities that were being yeah. created. Um, My friends at from the coffee shops. Yeah, we like, had friends that yeah. went to a Blue Stem like exclu- exclusively, yeah. and we like never saw them when we were out at the coffee shops right. because there was like the Blue Stem crowd and the Redina's mm-hmm. crowd. I, I started going to Blue Stem a little bit more for a second. I think it was because. When oh Levi God. was there, I went. Levi went to Blue Stem. Levi always went to Blue Stem. Hey, Levi, friend of the <laughs> yeah, pod. What's up? And so, like, I remember, like, that those were the only times I went to Blue Stem is when we were hanging out with Levi. Like, apart yeah. from that, I didn't go to Blue Stem. Yeah, wow. I feel like a lot of the Christian Challenge kids went to Blue Stem. Mm. That was like their place. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know why. I think that may have been why I went to Bluestem a lot. Oh, yeah, because, like, Zach, who is now super married, um, and... Hey, Zach, good friend of the pod. Yes, good friend of the pod, <laughs> dropping names. Um, he was dating a girl who went, who was, like, part of Christian Challenge, and she went to okay. Bluestem a lot. So, like, I whenever I went to hang out with him and her, like, whatever, they were both at Bluestem. He was dating a girl, not his wife. Not his wife. Oh, scandalous. Rando. Yeah. Scandalous. But for a second. So, yeah, that was just a thought that I had while editing, so I wanted to throw that in. Another uh, piece of follow-up. Did we talk about Redina's, though? Did we spend a good chunk of time on Redina's in, like, last yeah. episode? Okay, yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. <sighs> Miss Redina's. I know, me too. I think about it often. Yeah. <sighs> last okay. bit of follow-up. Yeah. Uh, Katie, good friend of the pod. Uh, hi, Katie. She says hi. Katie who? <laughs> For Katie from the wedding. We met Katie oh, at the yeah. wedding. Oh, yeah. Okay, just She's one of the bridesmaids. Yep. And you are, you are uh, talking I'm, to her. I'm, ki- I'm kind of seeing Katie. So, yeah. Yeah. Date, like, date, date, yeah. dating. Yeah. yeah. There it is. There it is. Yeah. So, That's so awesome. I'm we so haven't really about talked that. about. We haven't talked about the, that. Yeah. We haven't talked about that. Me and Katie haven't really talked about, like, terminology to describe right. a relationship. But she'll definitely be one of the first people listening to this podcast, so... Yes! Uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that, or uh, as much as you want. I mean, I, I love talking about it. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I just so, kind of found myself in an awkward situation. No, it, no it's perfect. This is the best. Um, you guys met at the wedding that we mm-hmm. did talk about. Nathan and Veronica's wedding. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, there was a little bit... This is so funny. This has to happen. This has to be said. Um, there was a little bit of preparation on your end. You were, they were like, we, there's this bridesmaid. Her name is Katie. You're going to love her. Um, th- like, basically kind of preparing you. And you thought that the same thing was happening to her. That mm-hmm. she was being, like, groomed for you <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but then, like, just hanging out at the wedding, you guys, like like were drawn together and you like you you were just you just had this like level of confidence like with this understanding that like she was she super knows about me she was prepared for me and like <laughs> no not the case at all it was all just you <laughs> it's so funny it's kind of like placebo yeah. or something kind of like uh michael jordan's uh magic juice or whatever in space jam in space jam yeah yeah, and for for just a fleeting second, I was able to defeat the monsters with yeah. my own confidence. <laughs> yes, so that was really cool. And yeah, okay. So now, fast forward a month since mm-hmm. no, two months. It was yeah. that was like June, middle of June. Yeah, now we're middle so that's of like August. A couple months. Cool, and you guys have been like talking about ton talk about like your discourse and stuff since the wedding how that works um yeah we, we we've been talking geographically quite often. like what's the situation also uh she she lives a couple hours away and so i have gone out there a couple of times and hung out and it's been nice but because of the distance you are pretty much confined to electronic communication mm-hmm and that is very that the way you guys communicate electronically is very unique in that you have like two windows of time or so a day when you can just like 
dedicate your attention fully to this like text and it's mostly texting well it it was it was mostly texting oh before i went out there the first time before you went out there the first time was mostly it was was like long form text yeah long form texts like you would you would each have like two huge wind two like good chunk windows of time where you would just like write like 10 paragraphs Mm -hmm. and then she would when she was available, which I think would always they would always miss each other, kind of like with the time windows. And then when she was available, she would respond to every single paragraph in her own like really really long uh, text, also mm-hmm. creating new questions or whatever new things to talk about. And it would just be like that for a while. That's that's just very unique. That's yeah. so interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like text, 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 back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. You guys like have lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then you went out there the first time. Mm-hmm. And you saw a show that she directed. Yep, Willy Wonka. Okay, tight. And met her family. Like you, you met her family then too, right? Yeah, kind of, kind of unintentionally. It oh yeah, just such a small town. We kind of bumped into a little bit of everybody. Yes. And then you went home after that. Mm-hmm. And that. What, how did the, how did the relationship grow from that first meeting to the second meeting? You're talking on the phone more. Yeah. Talking on the phone more. We watched Stranger Things on Netflix. We watched a documentary or two on Netflix. Like apart, but talking about it. Apart, but together. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Like on the, at the same time. Did you push start at the same time? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. We, we we count down the start time. I keep trying to move this forward, but you, you won't let us stop. I'm a feeler. You're a thinker. I'm a feeler. I know. I I know. I know. I'm I'm like ready to like, and then you just saw her this last Friday. Yes. A couple days ago, three days Mm -hmm. ago. And all day thing. That's really exciting. Katie. Yeah. So Katie's listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So she's definitely listening to this conversation. Cool. Um, so she has some feedback. Oh, okay. That's, that's why we're talking. Oh, no. I lo- that's how I, we got to this topic. I love Sharon Dietz, though. Okay, cool. So um, what's her feedback? So on the tiny pockets in women's clothes, mm, do you what? remember that topic of conversation on the last podcast? Tiny pockets in women's clothes? Mm-hmm. Or oh, just t- women's clothes have tinier pockets? Well, in like we were talking about... Um, why girls, so, oh, so, so, so like why, why girls will put the phone in the back pocket mm-hmm. and then they'll like sit on the phone and like break their phone. Oh yeah. And, and she she was saying that women's clothes have like unbelievably tiny pockets that are basically useless. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're even shown, uh, sewn shut. Yeah. And, and so she didn't want us to get away with just saying that. The, the women put their phones in their back pockets out of some sort of poor decision making. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, it's like a practicality that like front pockets are basically useless in wi- women's clothing. That, yeah. Why? I wonder why. Is it just like, is there just like a thing where it's like, it's just not as classy for women to put things in their front pockets or something like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, that's like, I, that's like men are like marsupials in that way. Like I, I'm constantly putting things in my front pockets. They're mm-hmm. so useful. Like, what would I do without pockets? Oh, no. Oh, no, I don't have a pocket. I don't know what I'll do today. Like, <laughs> I, know my, I know my pants that I will have to, like, I have shorts where the pockets 
are weird and think my phone. Where do you put your hands if you don't have pockets? Huh? Where do you put your hands if you don't have pockets? True. I mean, Mm. yeah, cross cross your cross your arms. I don't. So also, she called shenanigans on on my deep dark secret of being able to stick my finger up my nose. She called shenanigans. She said, "Yeah, right." No, she said, that's not a deep, dark secret. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know, yeah. So, uh, but that's just kind of where that landed. Maybe deep, dark secrets will emerge in future podcasts, mm-hmm. um, but not today. So, to segue, time to throw Christian on the Defensive. fire. Yes. Christian, something happened two days ago. Yeah. So. I'm engaged. I proposed two days ago, Saturday. There it is. Yes. I'm so happy. For those of you keeping track at home, yes, you have been a part of Christian's entire relationship with his mm-hmm. now fiance. Mm-hmm. From inception. It's so uh, great. Probably you, like, what, four or five, six podcasts ago? Yeah. And even to, I th- to now. I think I talked about our relationship before we were dating on the podcast. <laughs> Did I say something about Haley? Probably. In one of the first few episodes. Wow. Yep. So through the whole thing, we are now engaged. We were dating. It was like three months and a day when I proposed of dating. and uh, um, But we had been friends for 11 years. So we're just super. Mm. From the first day, from the day she told me that she likes me, she loves me as more than friends, we knew we were going to be together forever. Dang. Because of all that. History and, and and he gave her the ring. Gave her the ring. Describe it's, the ring. The oh ring is gosh, awesome. It's, it's great so ring. Fat. Yeah. Um, the, Did you say it's so fat? Yeah, the ring, the <laughs> diamond. Um, it's so it's like platinum. The band is platinum, and the diamond is uh, a, an emerald cut, carrot sized diamond. And nice. It and like on the sides like. Like there's three little diamonds coming out of each side of the diamond, like um, inside inlaid in the band, and they're just like cool looking. The mm-hmm. whole thing is like oh, I'm just so happy to see it on her finger. Yeah, it feels. Oh my gosh, I was thinking like engagement in this case. It feel like it feels. I'm thinking it feels the same. Like I feel like we're just like because I had just thought of us. I loved her. I loved her like we were engaged before we were engaged, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but having the ring and having the proposal taken care of and everything like that, like now I feel like it's easier to spend money on her, which Mm -hmm. is so interesting. There's like, it's like, I felt it was so easy to spend money on her before, but now I'm like, yay. Like it's so ridiculously official that like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't have like an uncomfortability spending money on her before, but it's just now I really feel good about spending money on her. And like, um, I also, oh yeah, now we're like a package deal mm-hmm. everywhere to the world. It's now like my, my fiance has a, carries so much more weight than my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No, you know, regardless of like how we felt about it, like now it's everybody knows and it's the realist. And we're going to be like, put together and things and everything like that. And I just love that. I'm so excited. Nice. Now our, and our lives are now, we're now like even more 
entwined in our like lives, like events and like shared things. And like we're sharing, we now share more. We just now will share more like mm. life stuff, like finances are are now like going to be, we're both going to be in those conversations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just cool. It's just, really, and like love, like love is just overflowing even more because of the ring, you know, we're planning, we're moving forward with wedding plans. I'm going to take engagement votes. April fools. April fools is when we're getting married. April 1st. Yep. Just a couple of fools in love. Yep. I know. Yeah. That her mom was like, we need to find a song. We need to find a song or something for like fools in love or something Mm -hmm. like that. Some kind of, because of a fool in love. I know. I don't know any. Isn't that, um, Oh, uh, it's from Back to the Future. The band singing it in, in the Back first to the one? Future. Yeah, at the at the dance with you. Oh, huh. Um, was that like one of the like slow slow beginning songs before he like took over the guitar? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's like you guys are gonna love this. Is it Earth Angel? <laughs> it might be Earth Angel. Earth Angel. Oh yeah. Won't you be my Earth Angel. I love that song. I'm just a fool, a fool in love with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Boom, wedding song. There it is. Found it. Found it. You just heard that here. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) I like that. Um, Yeah, so there it is. We are engaged. Wow, that feels so awesome to say. We like, (laughs) we're fiancés. (laughs) I've never been a fiancé. (laughs) <laughs> wow that's cool uh dang that's awesome yeah well congratulations man thank you all right moving on to coasters i have one you have one yep. we don't know what each other's is and kind of hearkening back to the movie game i thought it'd be fun for us to try to guess what the other person's is again i have an unfair advantage of this being my movies. Um, mm. But instead of doing a full-fledged movie game throughout, I figured we could start with each of us um, taking turns describing the first time um, we ever heard of this movie, first thoughts about this movie, like first memories of this movie. I don't even know if you've seen the movie that you have. Right. But <laughs> because I don't know what movie you have. Um. So, we'll start there and then just give each other hints and see how long it takes us to guess it. Cool. So shouldn't take too long. I'll start first. My coaster. Um, the first time I remember seeing this trailer on TV, um, it had somebody I recognized in. And I knew I would not be able to see it in theaters because of how young I was. Mm. Not too young, um, but not old enough to see it in theaters. Mm -hmm. And it looked really funny. And it is one of the first movies in a long string of hit comedies by this same writer-director. Right. I don't know. How much more should I give you? I think I got it. Okay. Well, Can I just guess right now? Yeah. Super bad? 
No, I did see Super Bad in theaters. I snuck into it. Oh but, wow, nice. But on the very oh, I know what it is. Yep. track. Yeah. Okay. Forty year old virgin. Yep. Yes. Dang. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here it is. Oh wait, it's under my computer because my computer was spinning its fan really high, so I moved it up for ventilation. Oh yeah. But yeah, forty year old virgin. Sweet. So that's a great movie. I it love is. That movie. It is. When I finally did see it, I was so happy to see it. Because that came out before Superbad, right? Yeah, I, I think, think so. It, I think, the quality of it. You can tell that it's like an older one. I think 40-Year-Old Virgin and then Knocked Up were like his first two, right? Oh, yeah. Judd was Knocked Up soon after. Um, you're talking about, what's his name again? Judd Apatow. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I don't think that Judd Apatow wrote Superbad. Superbad. I think he was a producer. Oh, okay. But I, Seth Rogen and Evan, whatever, wrote it. That's why the characters are Seth and Evan. Oh, right, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. So my movie? Yeah, so your movie. Um, you are I currently winning this game. I have not seen this movie. Okay. Um, but it is, like, highly acclaimed. Very highly acclaimed. And it um, takes place... No, just internationally. And there is, uh, it's a very like, it's, it's, it takes place in an, in an impoverished or like very rough area where people aren't expected to live past 20. I just read the back of it. And so, um, one the main character. No, okay, I I'm, I can't just give you a synopsis. I gotta give you like my vibes. Um, I really want to see it, but I don't know. I don't know if I like even saw commercials or trailers for it mm-hmm. at any time. Like it was, it was like really indie. I think. Um, okay, I was between two movies, but I think I know what it is now. Okay. No, uh, I was. Be- at first, I thought you were talking about Slumdog Millionaire. I was like, how have you not seen Slumdog Millionaire? Oh, yeah. um, but when you said you hadn't even seen it, like any commercials or anything for mm-hmm. it, I was like, it's definitely not that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it City of God? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wait, is that movie amazing? You haven't seen it either. I haven't seen ah, it either. that's so funny. <laughs> I bought it while I was working at Walmart in a $5 movie bin, like... I bought so many movies. I, I literally would just walk out with like 10 movies at a time because I got a discount on the $5 movie bin. Oh, so I was wow. like, this is a really well-known movie. This is a really You good had a discount movie. on that bin? Like on, on, on non-food products. Oh, what was your discount? What was it? I think it was like 15%. Wow. Okay. So so I would just buy so many movies. I haven't even, I haven't even seen City of So you got like 75 75- cents off a five dollar movie one of the best films you'll ever see yeah i know this is like a huge huge film i've actually never gotten around to seeing it wow yeah Yeah. so we just created some new youtube videos for a gaming duo Mm -hmm. channel yep um we'll put the links in the description but when we, yeah. we we've only played Pokemon Go a couple of times together, um, right? 
one being last night and before that at Taco Guild. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had so much fun playing that together that we... Inspired. We're inspired to play po- Pokemon Yellow again. Mm-hmm. And we were just going to play it for fun and we are like, we should film us playing it yeah. and make it into a competition. And so yeah. the whole idea behind the competition is that we are racing to see who can beat the game beat the elite four mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. well i guess beat the elite four and then beat your rival right after yeah. the elite four right first to win the game um without using glitches and cheats and stuff mm-hmm. but you can only uh catch a maximum number of six pokemon you can only have six pokemon total mm-hmm. and so the first two episodes are out um, Six I, Pokemon total. You can only fill up your slots. Mm-hmm. No so, sending stuff to the PC. So we both started with Pikachu, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's Pokemon Yellow. And then I got a Pidgey, and you did got, not get anything yet. I didn't get it. I was just training episodes. up my Squirtle. Huh? No, I was just training up my Pikachu. I mean, Pikachu. I was like, yeah. I was like, how'd you get a Squirtle? Um, oh yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that that's where we're at with what we've uploaded. Uh, we have two more episodes recorded but we have run into an issue with the online service that we were using yeah. to play where something happened with their file saves and neither of us are able to access our previous saved files yeah i can't even log in yeah so that that was really, really under maintained really a website. buzz kill um but i think we've reached a new decision with it Mm-hmm. We're going to play back through um, to get to as close as we can uh, where we were at mm-hmm. after the first two episodes um, locally on an emulator on our computer. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll just go from there and and try to keep it uh, as faithful to those first two episodes as possible. Yeah. And um, just, just play from there. You should check it out. You should check out Yeah, that, totally check it videos. out. The link is is in the show notes below and um i found myself having difficulty like talking a ton like while playing because mm-hmm. like i don't i don't know i just like you're so like focused i'm so focused in, on it yeah and i don't have like a ton to say about it and if i were if i did i would get distracted i'm like i'm the way my brain works i think i can pretty much just like focus a ton on one thing but I focus really well on that one mm-hmm. thing. But like if I were to split my time, I would be like doing weird derp stuff if I like was splitting my attention. So, so anyway, like I might not be as talkative <laughs> during it, but it's so fun. I was just having a blast. At least it's fun, fun for us. Like, yeah. like, oh man, just get, getting back to playing some good old Game Boy games. I know. I haven't played the original Pokemon in so long. Yeah. It felt so good. Yeah. I know so, everything about Pokemon. Well, at least that first, yeah. that first like season yeah. or whatever so fun mm-hmm. uh so we're having a good time playing it and mm-hmm. we can't wait to make more pokemon episodes along the the same lines with um that a gaming duo channel mm-hmm. um i went ahead and made twitters for all of our projects so a video duo channel a gaming duo and a talking duo oh, all sweet. have mm-hmm. Their own Twitter accounts now. Awesome, yeah. Um, did you look at the Twitter accounts at all? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Um, I don't. Have, my Twitter. I do not have like 
a Twitter very much. I don't know. <laughs> you have one, but you use it in the same like amount that I use. Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. So I thought you might like this. Um, the banner that I created for the a talking duo. Yeah, I love that. Also, also followers for a talking duo. L- look at that list. What stands out to you? Um, Jason Roman and Mike Rivera yeah. both followed the Twitter like as soon as I created it. That's amazing. Yeah, I see that. And I'm like, wow. So, so good friends of the pod, Jason and Mike, if you're listening to yeah. this episode. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks for following. Like, that is so awesome. That's so cool. But yeah, so the banner. I was thinking like that means they're probably like listening. Do, do you me? recognize what this banner is? So it's is that a, it's Grand a little, Theft Auto? No, it's a so it's a little redone of the uh, the Talking Duo logo. It's like a little bit of an mm-hmm. updated version with the I like that a lot. Uh, microphone with like some grates on the microphone, mm-hmm. and then it is a. Uh, like a skyline shot of downtown Phoenix. Oh, downtown Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. Little, I love that. little ho- hometown action. Yep. Yeah, I thought you would like that. And I, I just wanted to uh, say that we've got Twitters for all of those, so go follow us on there as well. Yeah. So I think it is time to go to our short sections. Yep. Short segments is what I meant. It's time to go to our short segments. Uh, I wanted to introduce two new short segments that we could do every podcast um, that would provide us some good banter, just getting to get a little meta here, some good mm-hmm. banter, some good things to yep. talk about, and uh, some possible controversy. Yep. Controversy. Controversy. As uh, Jimmy Fallon would say. And Oh, yeah. Uh, so the first one is our weekly pet peeve. Cool. Yeah. You, you you didn't put anything in the show notes for this, so you'll have to think of something on the fly. Oh, you got yep. one. Okay. Pushing is often often peeved. Um, <laughs> oh but th- this is one I I've heard that the same thing happens on Instagram. Uh, I don't have an Instagram. Well, I do, but I don't. I for all intents and purposes, I don't have an Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't used it since like my sophomore year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that was before Facebook bought Instagram. So. I don't even know if it like transferred over. I don't. I, I don't know how any of that worked. Um, but on Twitter, like several times a week, uh, I have fake and or stolen like Twitter accounts mm-hmm. that follow me on Twitter. Weird. Like, um, like what 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 it ends up looking like. Is it that's kind of what, what Instagram that's what happens to me on Instagram, yeah. yeah. I, I've heard people complain about it on Instagram yeah. as well, yep. And and it's like semi naked or entirely naked women, yeah, that that like follow you and then like their subs their their description is like check out my video online and it's like a link. And uh, but then if you look at like the handle. Sometimes the handle is like an obviously fake. It's just like a fake person. They just created it um, solely for the purpose yeah. of doing this. Like weird S- underscores. And sometimes stuff. the 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 handle says like like something very and, provocative. And Andrew Johnson seventy five. Oh, interesting. and it, it it's like totally. Oh wow. 
it's like totally somebody's Twitter handle that is now like commandeered and stolen. Yeah, wow. Solely for the purpose of like looking somewhat legitimate and then Right, but it's like that's not Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, you've changed. <laughs> yeah. So very much. So there's three things that I wrote down that really like peeve me mm-hmm. <laughs> about this. And the first is I don't want to have a private Twitter account like like I feel like having a private Twitter account on some level defeats the entire purpose of having a Twitter what do you mean like Twitter is about being able to to follow interesting people or people with similar interests Mm -hmm. and to be able to see you know what they say and like I have a few people on Twitter that I follow. Like I you know, I have some handful of celebrities and journalists, sports journalists that all post different things about sports. Sports is mainly what I use Twitter for. Mm-hmm. But I also have a couple of people that I just came across randomly that have like you know a couple hundred followers maybe a couple thousand followers that just the things that they post are interesting and or funny and they're just normal people good like observations like like one of them one of them is um i think his name is phil weeby or something like that he's just like a he works at like a some sort of uh design firm in like Manitoba like huh. it's it's just like a completely random person and like I was just like oh this guy's kind of interesting <laughs> so I just followed him and like that's part of what makes Twitter awesome is like if somebody is just interesting you can just follow them and so I don't want to have a private Twitter Twitter account because if anything that I do anybody sees as interesting i want them to be able to follow that does that make Mm -hmm. sense but you feel like if you had a private twitter twitter account you wouldn't be doing things like that no i'd be i'd be like sectioning off i'd be limiting the number of people that would be able to interact with me directly wait i'm not sure i understand then so so if you were to have a private twitter account you like you don't want to have a private twitter account like that, having a private Twitter account would eliminate having these fake accounts right. or hijacked accounts following me. Yeah, true. But it kind of defeats the purpose of like the open interaction with whoever right. that is created by Twitter. Yeah, that's so true. Like, I feel like there's a lot of um, a lot of users. Like, I'd say probably the majority of users on like internet, so on like social media are there to uh, be spec like spectators mm-hmm. as opposed to like content creators or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, there's no function that allows you to just like chill and just sit around without being a member. I don't think, right? Like you can't, you can't like explore. Like that's the first step when you get to a website like that. It's just like, Hey, log in. Otherwise yeah, you can't just get create an account, create like, an account or a lot. Be yeah. a part of the community yeah. of people. And it's considered like joining the community. Mm hmm. Which, like, I suppose is cool, but until you get into a weird, like, your your account's been hijacked. It's like, come on, I'm not doing stuff. 
Yeah. Just let me, yeah. Well, those people are probably picking it, uh, clicking on those pictures or on those, like, check out my video. Oh, yeah. And then they click on it and it's like, oh, log into Twitter real quick. And then they have all of your Twitter yeah. information. Yeah, for real. Because people are idiots that click on things like that. Um, <laughs> I could just imagine somebody being like, oh, this person thinks I'm quite interesting, and she wants me to check out her video. Hello, <laughs> like, Miss Lee. Yeah. What, what kind of weird, messed up situation is that person in that they think this is how the world works? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, they're obviously trying to take advantage of you. Yeah. Like, don't, don't do anything. Run. Yeah, for real. That so, happened to me once. Somebody, like, direct messaged me, like, on Facebook, I think. It was like, hey, like, you, do you think I'm sexy? And I was, I was like really young and I was like, well, I think you're pretty. It like, yeah, she was like, it, she, not really, she probably some crazy person in another country or something like just trying to hack people. But like, like, cool. Like, give me, uh, like, do you want to see more or something like that? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she, she was like, cool. Give me your, give me your credit card, babe. And I was like, uh, <laughs> and I just like did, clicked X and I was like, no, but that was kind of a weird, like in your face, this situation is in your face right now. But, Do you want to see more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Some, somehow we got to the point of like, cool, just give me your credit card information. And I was like. No, or like what's your credit card number babe it was like something to kind of like pull me in and i was like ooh being called babe is really cool but <laughs> but giving you my credit card information is not is also not. i'm 13 and don't have a credit card <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah so uh, thankfully i did not fall into a trap <laughs> like that oh, that is fantastic or like uh, the classic like Twitter, like, got commandeered when I was in college. Like, my Twitter got hacked a bunch. And it was like, I tried this this thing. You'll never believe what happened. Click here to figure it out mm -hmm. or something like that. Like, And then it asks you to log into Twitter. Well, oh, it's, well, it's like, it's like my, I started posting things like that. People were like, Christian, your Twitter's been hacked. And I'm like. I think I remember that. Yeah. yeah. It happened a couple times. And I'm like, I don't know. Or, like, or the classic, like. Like, did you see the picture that so-and-so posted of you yes. online? Yeah, yep. Like, trying to make you go, oh, crap, what, what, what picture is yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. And then if you What compromising it, situation was I in last week? Like, <laughs> yeah, for real. And so, that's just really annoying. So, I just had to go on and change my password, but... So, the the other thing about this that really irks me is the the fake accounts always like my pinned tweet after they follow me and i feel like it's like degrading the value of a tweet that i am very proud of so like oh, yeah like my pinned tweet let me pull it up here like reposted like a favorite is that is that what you mean like a reposted tweet retweeted thing no pinned so your tweet. pinned tweet is like the tweet that you oh like have as your banner or whatever yeah no you like pin it it's like at the very top and so my pinned tweet um, from last December is, "What, uh, whatever happened to drive uh, to drive shaft? 
question mark hashtag you all everybody. And oh it, yeah, from Lost. It's from it's a Lost reference. Yeah, um, the band in Lost. Um, yeah, Drive Shaft, and they had the hit song. You are everybody. Yeah. You are everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and we so like are... I posted that, then my friend Mike um spoiler alert. Fast forward ten seconds if you don't want to hear a spoiler starting now. My friend Mike uh replied to me, I think his basis their basis died. And I <laughs> Oh <laughs> like, yeah. like we had this like nice banter yeah. um back and forth about uh, about lost um and spoilers. And so like, I was really proud of like that interaction and that like thought. Mm -hmm. Um, and And like some randos like, like, yeah. Like if, if, if I didn't like block and report every single one of those fake accounts that follows me and, and likes that post, or if I was like less diligent in it Mm -hmm. and you clicked on that, you'd see like, 900 people that like this you know mm-hmm. this tweet and all of them are just Nothing. trying to steal your credit card information yeah, like, that's so annoying so like i feel like it devalues like my intellectual property of yeah. my tweet yeah like, for real so and then the third thing is how, how does this even actually happen like to people just like the the pet peeve of like the state of humanity that so many people allowed their Twitters to be like commandeered by the, the, these mm-hmm. people. Like even you at thirteen had enough sense to just be like and exit. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I know. I thought this was my lucky day, but well, actually, like, this is obviously fake. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it happens. It's got to happen to like everybody once. I mean, you right? Like. If it like if at all, like hopefully they learn from the first time because like I'm sure I've clicked on a thing that's like it's like, did you see this picture they posted of you? And I think you do have to take another step or two. Yeah, yeah. Be, I like, think it. Beyond. I think it asks you to log in. Mm. So like when when it was like, did you see this picture? And then like I clicked it, and then it went to like some weird like, dun, 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 dun. It, like opened up a tab or something or something like that. And I was like, oh, oh, this is nothing. This feels sketchy. Like, yeah, like. My picture wasn't on this website. You have to have like a healthy level of skepticism mm-hmm. to just be like, uh, something doesn't seem right here. Right, yeah. Well, and then, yeah, seeing, seeing other people's, seeing that again, like, you know, seeing like, did you see this picture somebody posted of you? And then you see it on for somebody else and you're like, oh, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Definitely. Helps. So Dang. that is my pet peeve. Awesome. My pet peeve. Um, this is a, this is a pet peeve that I haven't had to like come in crazy contact with a ton, but snoring, oh my gosh, snoring, like nothing ruins my life more or my sleep really than like sleeping in close quarters with a person who snores that it it ruins my life. It makes me it makes me want to suffocate that person. <laughs> <laughs> like it, not really, but it just kills me. It like it's the most annoying like obnoxious sleep murderer I have ever and like beyond like just me being like oh, I can't sleep through this and I usually have to just muffle my ears with my pillow or something. But like beyond that it's like also are you 
are you healthy? Are you okay? You, like, you need to, like, you're something, what went wrong in your life to where you snore? You snore now. How do you live with yourself? Like, there's just so much just like, oh my gosh. It's just, it just kills me. Like, I can't, I, I don't know. And all of these, like, like remedies and stuff, there's like the nose strips and like all these, mm-hmm. like, what, what it really is, is it's like, stop sleeping on your back. Oh my gosh. Or, <laughs> or, or like, you sound like an awful person right now. <laughs> yeah, for real. But, or, or it's like, like eat better or like, I don't know. There's something that's just like messing up your like breathing abilities or something. It's just, like, it's uh, like, you don't want to snore. If you're, if you've grown fine with snoring, why? Like, you don't you don't have to grow fine with snoring. Well, th- does everybody know that they snore? Everybody that snores, do they know they snore? I think so. I mean, I don't know. Like, if I've ever snored, because they're asleep. Like, right. But like, I mean, I did I did like stay with somebody at camp who's who's like, I'm warning you, man, I snore, and I'm like, like that's oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, why didn't I bring earplugs? Why do I have to change? <laughs> why do I have to do stuff? So that I can sleep better because I'm just in a room with a bowl in a china shop, you know, like with I'm in a room where there's construction. I'm in a room where the jackhammer is going off all night. Like, are you kidding me? Don't snore. Hey, don't snore. Did any of your roommates in college snore? Um, no one. Um, one of them, I think, snored a little bit every once in a while, but I mean, like, I lived, but no, it was just like, it just, just ruins my life. When I wake up in the middle of the night for no reason other than, oh my gosh, snoring, snoring just woke me up. Wow. Like, that's not cool. (laughs) I love sleep and I hate snoring. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Christian throwing down, loving sleep, hating snoring. For real. If I, like, if somebody tells me like, you're snoring last night, I'm like, was I really either, either was I really, was it somebody else? And like, you should have pushed me. You should have awakened me and said, Hey, stop snoring. And I will, <laughs> I will change. I hate snoring. <laughs> you don't want to be that one. I don't want to be that one. No. Well, I think those were some good pet peeves. <laughs> some of us a little more fiery than others. Yeah. The other segment that I would like to introduce is things that we have an unnecessarily strong opinion on. And seeing as you're all hot and fiery, I think you should go first. Okay. Um, I just think Starbucks is better than Dutch Bros. And I just, like, whenever I see a really, really, really long line... This is, okay, remember the heading. This isn't just another pet peeve. This is things we have unnecessarily strong opinions on. So I I realize... We we recognize there's a distinction. Yes. This isn't even things that we're necessarily mad about. We just think this is the obviously correct way to feel. (laughs) Yeah, and like it might be like, yeah, but come on, there's reasonable stuff to both sides and stuff like that. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) But I'm still going to say this. Um, (laughs) This is still how I feel. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, whenever I see the line at Dutch Bros... Pet peeves is the thinking... This is the feeling. The yeah, yes. Um, th- at like basically, there's like a million children at Dutch Bros. Like always, a million like hip dressed children at Dutch Bros. It's like 
just long and the lines the line for the drive through at Dutch Bros because that's all it is. All it is is a drive through and a walk up thing. So like there's just cr- that it's just a game of lines. It's Disneyland. Dutch Bros is Disneyland and it's full of children and it's just like super long line and I'm just like why? You guys are in line for uh like 32 ounce chocolate milk with a shot of espresso? Get real. What? This isn't <laughs> coffee. You guys this is you guys aren't into coffee. You guys aren't like you guys aren't in you're just into some culture thing. It's literally a place where like like a thousand member youth groups just go after church and just like just flood a Dutch Bros. And I'm like, I actually might want to try Dutch Bros. Nope. That line is hilarious. <laughs> never. No, never. And also I see people dressed so outrageously trendy and like sometimes just crazy. And I'm just like, get real. Okay, be a person and go to Starbucks. Starbucks I used to like work at Starbucks for a month, but it was miserable. But I don't have anything against it. I just like think star like I have like a drink at Starbucks like Starbucks is just like a coffee shop. Dutch Bros is like a chocolate milk stand. It's just annoying like the ugh. If you love if you love coffee, go to Starbucks. My my fiance, ooh, that's cool. I almost said girlfriend. Mm. My fiance like used to work at Dutch Bros for a while. Oh, really? Like, I she, didn't know that. Yeah, she says that Dutch Bros espresso is better than Starbucks espresso. Starbucks espresso tastes like burnt. And but Dutch Bros has like really good espresso, and I'm like, wow, maybe if it wasn't so like chocolate milked down. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Can you, can you order just an espresso shot at maybe Dutch Bros? Hmm, yeah, maybe I don't know, but like you can't just like straight up enjoy it. They're gonna hand it to you in like a Dixie cup and send you on your way, and then smile and ask you a ton of oh my gosh. Oh, okay, like people at Dutch Bros, they're always like, Haha, what music are you listening to? They like come up to you and they're just like, it's like. Stop being fake interested in my life. Just <laughs> like that's that's another huge like <clears throat> huge like selling point for Dutch Bros. It's like the crazy friendly people that work there. Mm-hmm. And they're just like it's like a gimmick. They're just like being like really like I'm sorry if you work at Dutch Bros listener. I love you, but <laughs> Dutch Bros is silly to me. And it's just like they just like like act like crazy interested in your life and stuff like and I'm like this is not like, I don't know. It just seems, it seems forced. It's, mm-hmm. It seems silly. I don't know. That's me. That's my yeah. unnecessary. Well, and I, I understand, like, like Haley's criticism of Starbucks because I, th- I think that is a valid criticism that Starbucks, like, they, they do roast their beans pretty dark. Like, if you've ever had like very light radinas also roast their beans very dark they mm. they do french french roasts that's like mm. the style of roast of, of, of the beans mm. um in general like all of radinas beans are, are french roasted that that's how mm. dark they, they they roast them oh wow well they have um, the french roast they have that as their co- one of their coffees right yeah and that is a specific style of, of bean as well but like the mm. darkness of the roast um like mm. French and Italian roasts are both very dark, darkly roasted coffee. Okay. Um, where like uh, lighter roasts, yeah, I, I forget what 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 that place is in Topeka. Like all of their that that one coffee shop in Topeka, all of their coffee is very, very, very lightly roasted, and mm. it it is a much different flavor. And so I could understand preferring a lighter flavor roast i see but i definitely agreed that like the coffee experience 
at Starbucks is com- completely different. Mm-hmm. I love coffee. If I want coffee, I would never go to Dutch Bros. Right. Because I, I don't feel like I'm getting coffee. Right. They have silly drink names mm-hmm. to, to match their silly drinks. Silly, like she told silly names for your silly drinks. Yeah, she told me like, oh yeah, I guess a lot of our drinks do have just like, like gratuitous amounts of like milk or chocolate milk, mm-hmm. or like just like that's okay. That's not that's not coffee. That's not for somebody who enjoys coffee. That's really not. It, it's more for somebody who doesn't enjoy. coffee. Yeah, exactly. And yep. but but wants to be like can't live without coffee. Caught like de- death before decaf. <laughs> that's what she. That's. <laughs> she said she has to drink decaf like like past a certain hour and stuff like that, or like she gets coffee headaches and stuff because she drank way too much coffee when she worked at Dutch Bros. So now like her life is ruined. And I'm just like, oh, that sucks. And she's like, <laughs> you should get a tattoo across your chest that says death before decaf. <laughs> that was so funny. But I'm like. Coffee, yeah, real coffee. Yeah. So, what's yours? So, mine originally, I think I'm going to save this specific one um, and actually tweak it into a pet peeve. I think it'll be better as a pet peeve. Okay. So, I'm going to take one of my back catalogs of uh, unnecessarily strong opinions and I'm going to unnecessarily state something that I think you may disagree with. Hmm. that Reese's is the worst candy bar ever. It's the worst candy. Wow. You need to give some real backing (laughs) for that one. So I like chocolate a lot. I like peanut butter. And I feel like putting chocolate and peanut butter together gives you like the worst possible experience of chocolate and of peanut butter. Wow. Like, Like nothing about peanut butter makes chocolate taste better in my mouth and nothing about chocolate makes peanut butter taste better in my mouth. Mm. Like if I, if I want peanut butter, I'm not having it with anything chocolatey. If I want chocolate, I'm not having it with peanut butter. Like there's other things. I'm not saying Reese's tastes terrible. It does, but that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm saying is, it's it's like a bad experience of the two main ingredients that could be so much better apart from one another. Wow. So that's my unnecessarily wow. strong yeah. opinion. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I've always felt it. that way too. I've wow. only had one style of Reese's that I was like, maybe? I see. And it was a a cookie crust Reese's. I don't know if they hmm. still make that. I don't know. But it had it had like a layer of like chocolate chip cookie in it. Hmm. And I was like, now you got me you got me you got me thinking, Reese's. You got me thinking. What about and peanut M Ms? Peanuts have a different flavor than peanut butter. Right, yeah. But I didn't know if like you, it's just like a thing with peanuts, with like anything kind of mixed with chocolate. Because no, I love peanut M Ms. Mm-hmm. I love Snickers. Mm-hmm. Um, and peanuts have a textural thing that that's going on too. Um, but yeah, peanut butter. I feel like I feel like chocolate brings out the bitterness of peanut butter in a way that is unflattering. Hmm. That peanut butter is better served to 
I don't know, beyond peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and stuff, like mm. even just a spoonful of peanut butter. Wow. Yeah, I mean. And what what are your thoughts? I I think the mixture is <clears throat> it's it's such a unique flavor that the I mean the way Reese's does it is is good. Like Reese's has its own kind of peanut butter, which is like way more sugary and may, like more sugar. Maybe maybe their sugar to salt ratio is different. And also Reese's chocolate is I don't know what company makes Reese's. Is it Hershey's? I don't know. It's it's probably Mars. Mars. Okay, but whatever the the chocolate that Reese's uses plus the peanut butter, which like doesn't feel like real peanut butter. It feels like a different kind of peanut butter. Oh no, it's Hershey. You're right. <clears throat> oh okay, but um, I don't know. Just that I I used to not like Reese's because I'm like I don't want like a mouthful of peanut butter, like like surround encased in like a tiny layer of chocolate. But, like, they have the proportion down pretty well. And the way both of those things taste together, I don't know. I just have grown to like it. I, I think because of Reese's Pieces. And I have, a, I have a pet peeve about that, like, that I could share right now. because About we're on Reese's it. Pieces? Yeah. Um, when people call it Reese's Pieces... I want to punch them in the nose. I, I totally will back you up on that. Yes. Reese's Pieces? Re, no, Reese Pieces. Reese Pieces. I've heard Reese Pieces because there are three things wrong with that. <laughs> Reese. Reese is a name. Right. It's, Re- it's Reese's. Re- yeah, it's, it's Reese's candy. We're stealing S. this candy. Yeah, that's, so that's a, na- that's a pre-existing name that like you can't just call, change that pronunciation to Reese. Okay, that's one. There's an S at the end of it, number two. <laughs> Reese's. It's, it's like if they said Reese's, that would, be, that would be one less thing that I hate about them saying it that way. Mm-hmm. But they just, people who just say Reese Pieces, oh my gosh, it might be a Midwest thing or something like that, but like I'm hating on Reese Pieces. <laughs> also, Get real. Pieces is a word. Pieces <laughs> is a word. If you haven't heard the name Reese, I won't fault you for that. But you have heard the word pieces. That's a word. And calling it pieces? Are you kidding me? That's not anything. Reese pieces? If they called it Reese pieces, I mean, that would be one less thing that I would hate about them. <laughs> <laughs> But there, it's it's something about the trifecta. I want those all three to be gone and just call them Reese's Pieces. Well, we can solve this very easily oh. and just recognize that Reese's Pieces are just a aberration and the poor man's M&M <laughs> and just eliminate them altogether. But <laughs> what, what, <laughs> that also, would solve the problem. When people call the peanut butter cups Reese's Pieces, I, I just want to flip they, tables. They, they call like... Just anything Reese's. Reese's Pieces. You want some Reese's Pieces? That's a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know. That's... Delving into some dark places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For real. Wow. I feel lighter. <laughs> <laughs> it's wow. good. A little bit of a therapy session. Yeah, for real. All right, let's go ahead and go all the way to our main topic for today. Cool. 
And that is our homework. Um, the book, let me grab it here, The Defining Decade, um, Why Your 20s Matter and How to Make the Most of Them Now by Dr. Meg J. Cool. So we both listened to the audiobook version. I didn't finish it, but I listened to like three-fourths of it. That should be enough for mm-hmm. our discussion. And um, so let me get to some of the things. I also got the hard copy of the book so that I could skim over it. Um, As opposed to the audiobook, yeah. Yeah, and um, so some of some of the thoughts. So the way the book is kind of structured, it's broken down into three sections. Um, work, love, and the brain and the body. So you've listened through all of work and love, right? Mm-hmm. And, I think, and like, like a quarter of brain and body. Okay. I think work and love are probably the two um, most important sections. Um, and the brain and the body is more supportive of like the reasons for all of the things that we just discussed in the previous two. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the feel. Um, yeah, or like your, your mental state and like how it connects with your physical state, like as a 20-year-old something, 20-something. Mm-hmm. Um, so just some thoughts um, on on work, and then we'll, we'll do some thoughts on on love. Ooh, there's some nice charts in here that you miss from the audio book. Oh, wow. So um, the main takeaway that I had from the work section mm-hmm. was about the importance of doing something important towards your long-term goals in mm-hmm. your 20s. Yeah. Um, so she ma- she makes the point that... Um, so she, she's a therapist, and so, so she um, is kind of approaching everything through this lens that what you do in your 20s is going to create a trajectory for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And so she has this quote about people coming into her practice and she she just wants to be able to tell them that their 20s actually matter. You know, that oftentimes 20-somethings, and we're both 20-somethings, uh, live thinking that their 20s don't necessarily matter. They're that, supposed to be fun. And right. You're, you're, it's where you play around and... Yeah, figure out your interests. You, you and don't. Stuff. You don't have to start nailing anything down now, because uh, now isn't the time for that. Now's the time to have fun, mm-hmm. and then you can figure out the rest of everything in your thirties, basically. Yeah, and thirty is the new twenty. Is the thing she brings up a lot, like mm-hmm. how they how that's the mindset of a lot of twenty somethings. So she writes. Um, your twenties matter. Eighty percent of life's most defining moments take place by the age of 35. Wow. So 80% of your most defined, the most defining moments of what will create the path of the life that you're on happen mm-hmm. before the age of 35. That's pretty heavy. Um, Two thirds of lifetime wage growth happens in the first 10 years of a career. Uh, more than half of us are married or dating or living with our future partner by the age of 30. Personality changes uh, more during our 20s than at any time before or after. And the brain caps off its last growth spurt in the 20s. And females' peak fertility age is at 28. Wow. And and so it's like all of these very important things 
happen in our 20s. And and her biggest concern, the, the heart of the book, is that if we don't take seriously the things that happen in our 20s, we'll then live in regret in our 30s and 40s mm-hmm. because... We, we didn't make don't, anything. We don't have the career that we wanted. We we got to our late thirties and we're not married and we're unhappy about that. We wanted kids, but now we're too old to have kids mm-hmm. because we postponed everything and pushed everything so far down the line that now we have eliminated all of the options. And and there's really this this great thought in the book of we want our twenties to be this time of openness where we have all of our these options available to us. But in not choosing anything, we are eliminating our future options. Yeah. And we're kind of entrapping ourselves under this guise of, of I want to live free and have all of these options. We're actually limiting our happiness in the future mm-hmm. because we're, we're by, it, it, it's like um, the Rush song, Free, free Will. You can choose not to decide, but you still have made a choice. That's a great mm-hmm. l- iconic line from that song. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what she's saying throughout this whole book. You can choose to live your 20s like this, but time and time again, she's come across people that are no longer 20 that regret not having made decisions in their 20s because now they don't have those options. Mm-hmm. They they wanted to start their own business, but instead you know, they, they saw their 20s as a time where they didn't want to really put all of that time into into work so instead they they got you know kind of a dead-end job that they didn't have a lot of responsibility so they could have fun Mm -hmm. and now they're in their 30s and they can't even start a job because they don't have that option anymore Mm -hmm. like like those doors are closed they they, they're limited in, in what they can do they wanted to start a family but because they were too busy just dating around and not taking it seriously those options are closed. So in not making choices early, there are consequences for that later on mm-hmm. down the road. So that was kind of my big takeaway um, yeah. from this book. What What about you? Yeah, wow. Well, okay, I loved um, in the work section how um, it showed, like she gave an example of a few 20-somethings uh, saying how like, I'm working like really like the, well, first of all, a lot of them like not knowing what, what the next step is to like kind of pursue their passion. They're just kind of like in this kind of, kind of like a, like weird, like fun, easy placeholder job that they think will, will um, like they're like later on something bigger will come along. So they're like maybe working in a coffee shop or, or working at a bike shop or I, or I don't know, but like, their their real goal is to be is to edit movies or to design um homes or something like that but they're like they're not making the the networks that they're finding at the coffee shop or at the, that place are not the kind of networks that they're needing to like the importance of networking was a was a pretty big one mm-hmm. but also like when when a person did get their like pretty big like a pretty big job. I remember there was a girl who had like a pretty good job and she was like, I like, I don't know. Like this can't be what I'm supposed to be doing. This doesn't feel right. Where's my eat, pray, love. Yeah. And I was thinking like, like, and she was like, well, you're, you're eat like her. Like she, this girl was thinking of like her twenties 
as having to be this time where she's just like going and exploring the world and just taking a ton of time to just work on herself and stuff like that and wasn't really necessarily considering this time of like working and stuff to be her time to work on herself Mm -hmm. and she was and she makes the point in that too where she says well the the author of eat pray love that was like her third book and and she had already you know had two you know best sellers before that like Mm -hmm. Like she had created, and she was in her forties. Like when she she mm-hmm. went and did Epre yeah. Love, like like she had created this environment throughout her career to then be able to do that. Right. But you can't do that if you don't put all of the work in beforehand. Mm-hmm. And that girl was like, was like, I just, I don't know if this job is what I want to like take take home. I I don't like. I want to just be home. I want to have a home, mm-hmm. and this job doesn't feel like. It, I can just take it home. Mm-hmm. Like, not, not not necessarily, like, working at home or anything like that. It's just, like, I don't know if this is the thing that I can consider, like, what my life is. When she was, like, the author was saying, like, this is, like, this is, what if this is your home? Like, what if this is, like, it's okay, like, life, I don't know. Like, I just kind of took from that, like, life is about everything that goes into life, and not necessarily just like, um, like when you have a a job that you don't fully enjoy, or or even a job that you do enjoy, but you don't want to consider it like the full time, the like rest of my life thing. It's like, well, no, that's part of life. Like that's that's okay. So I just kind of got a got a an example of like I learned contentment kind of in where I am from like the examples she she listed for the work section at least. Like I I can just be content with with where I am and like because I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot I, w- I know that I, that growth is coming but I just this is my life this is life right now and it's I'm doing what I love and I'm just gonna keep doing it what one thing that that was also a huge takeaway for me um that that felt very personal to me that that I really um I identified with um, from a couple of, of years ago specifically was um, she's talking to one of her patients and he's describing that it feels like it, he's stuck in the middle of the ocean that like there's water all around him and he wants to swim to land but he isn't sure which direction is the correct direction to right. swim swim towards and and I think that's a very accurate you know, description of what it feels like, um, choosing like a career path in your twenties. Like you, you get out of college and you're like, okay, now like every decision that I made in college was starting to close doors and limit my options. And now I need to like choose, like, where do, where Mm -hmm. am I going to go work? How am I going to further limit my options? And what if I'm not happy where I'm going? Like, how do I know that this is going to be the correct place to go? And I think one of the the main things that from the work section that, that she really hits on is that deciding to go a direction is more beneficial than not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she even also like pointed out like, a flaw in his analogy because mm-hmm. like if you like in it with her saying like it's good to pick a direction that in according to his analogy if she were running with his analogy that doesn't necessarily bring land closer mm-hmm. that also doesn't like 
change the fact that he's just swimming in an ocean. Sure. You know what I mean? So he, like, yeah, and there was a little bit of hope, a little bit of hope that she kind of provided with a new analogy. Right. And in, in, in choosing a direction, like one of the big things that, that, that she's hitting on is, is you need to build up that, that capital, uh, for, for that working capital to be able to have choices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, she used the jam analogy. She, mm-hmm. she like said, let me tell you about the jam thing. And it was, there were in a grocery store, they did this experiment where they gave people, they showed people six jams and had them like try them, try them each. And then like ask them if they wanted to buy any of them. And then they also did a, a similar one that like, another study or like with like 50 jams. Yeah. With like 25 jams. Yeah. And people would, would try all of them and they really enjoyed them and stuff seeing all these choices, but people were way more likely to buy jam if they had the six, you know, when they were given the six to try Mm -hmm. then the 20 something there, it was like, like 60% of people bought jam when it was, when there was eight or six, Mm -hmm. six, uh, jams. Whereas like, like 5% of people bought when there was 25, you know, it was just like, it was wild. Right, because like even though if, if you think you enjoy all of those options, it limits your ability to actually choose. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, just deciding to go a direction, even though it limits the options, you'll ultimately be happier that you mm-hmm. have options to choose from. And, and uh, w- w- there was the the intern. I think you were it was the same person that you were talking about the the lady that was working on like a television show. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And she she felt very unhappy in the position that she was as an intern. She felt like her boss didn't didn't like her, but because she like stuck it out in her position, eventually she found out that like she's the only assistant that her boss had ever liked, and and that opened it. Like she she wanted to be doing something in more important work. Mm-hmm. Like she wanted to be doing more more important things than just being an assistant on a show. And by doing that for a year or whatever it was, it opened up the opportunity for her then to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But nobody is able to just come in off the street and start co-producing a show. Like, right. like you have to make those decisions to be in the correct places to then get to where you want to. Mm-hmm. You can't just immediately go to where you want to. It's very rare that somebody is able to just walk in and do that. You have to do all of the things. It, it's it, it's very deceptive to look at people that have made it in an industry like, oh man, they were just an overnight success. I think in, in the book Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell kind of talks about that with a lot of successful like tech, uh, tech billionaires from like the early tech boom, like the mm-hmm. 90s and stuff, 80s, 90s. And it's it's very easy to to think it's just like oh man that guy was just a genius and and he just trudged his own path and was boom successful. Mm-hmm. But when you actually look at it, it's like you know Bill Gates from the age of like ten had access to a computer in an era when nobody else had an access to a computer, and he spent you know the next eight years of his life, basically 10 hours a day, 
learning how to program on on the computer and doing things that basically nobody else in the world had the same same access to. Right. And so it seems like, oh, he dropped out of college, like after his first year and founded Microsoft. Wow, like like so that's that's amazing. Like it, he just like overnight was successful after dropping mm-hmm. out of college. It's like, well, no, like he spent the better part of a decade before that mm-hmm. doing all of the things necessary for him to be able to have the knowledge to be able to do what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It takes all of that time on the front end to then give you the the knowledge and ability to be successful in whatever you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And and so it's deceptive to look at people that are successful and think like that they didn't have to put in so much work beforehand. Right. And so I think that's what she's, she's trying to, to, to get you to see uh, when it comes to work is, is let, like, you know, you get out of college and if you want to, if, if you have like an end goal in mind for your career, you want to start right then uh, trying to achieve those career goals because if you postpone it to a later point in life, then, then you're starting in your 30s and still needing a, that same decade of work mm-hmm. experience to get yeah. to where you want. Yep. And so it's pushing everything further down the road. Mm-hmm. You can't just like, okay, now I'm going to take it seriously. And, right. and later on in the book, I think it's, it's, ta- it's in the body and mind section. Because a lot of the body and mind section is, is about having kids and how like we see celebrities have kids in their forties and it's like, Oh yeah, we can have kids in their forties. And it's like, no, like having kids in your forties is actually incredibly difficult and expensive. Mm. And, and you know, we hear all of the success stories of like Demi Moore having kids in her forties, mm-hmm. but you don't hear the people that really wanted kids, but they're in their forties and it just isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it just physically isn't going to happen. And right. so like she's talking to one of, one of her patients who want wants to be a lawyer but hasn't gone to law school yet and she's like 28 mm-hmm. and and she wants to get married but does, is doesn't want to get married until after she has st- had a couple of years under her belt in law school and then she wants to have kids but not until after a couple of years that she's been married and and so she's mm-hmm. trying to get her to think like okay well if that's true think about the timeline if you start going to college now at 28 because you didn't start when you were 22 right out out of undergrad if you start going to law school now four years from now you'll be 32 a couple years in practice you'll be 34 let's say you get married at 35 a couple of years now you're talking about not having kids till you're 37 like Mm -hmm. it's going to be significantly harder for you like Mm -hmm. like so you just need to think about like that timeline like Right. And, and try to figure out what, what is actually going to be doable there. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about love? I'd love to talk about love. Cool. Yeah. The love section. I, I just thought, I just found like a lot of really good um, like lessons and observations and stuff in the love section. Like mm-hmm. the, um, like, like it's all the mindset of the 20 something um, has kind of is the same through work and love and even like mind body stuff. But in love, it manifests itself in, in ways of like not, not wanting to settle down and not wanting to commit, Mm -hmm. um, in your twenties because twenties are a time to 
figure out who you are and who and who you find yourself with and that you that usually takes the form of cohabitation or um just not really being very mature or serious about um this or that relationship and she used a few examples like one of them was a like a cohabitation situation and she was i loved like there was a lot of like example like a lot of um research and like studies and stuff saying that like cohabitating um when you're dating it's just it it um it can it does more harm than good it, it usually the mindset is i just want to give it a test run before i'd fully decide you know if this person is the person for me but that kind of has the effect of like like lockdown there's like the lockdown effect where like if you find out that you're not compatible you're already your lives are already so intertwined yeah in so many ways that like you can't just leave at any point you know, yeah like I, more to it, it. it was really interesting she she said that like people that cohabitate before marriage i think we're m- more likely than people dating to get married but also more likely to, to get, get a divorce yeah in in part of so like here's this this like few pages um so too often 20 somethings enter into what they imagine will be low cost low risk uh living situations Mm. uh only unable to find themselves or uh only to find themselves unable to get out months or years later and and she describes it as uh lock-in and lock-in is is the decreased likelihood Mm. to search for other options um and switching costs like time money and effort required to make a change so a lot of people yeah. get married because they feel locked in and they it the the barrier to switching to changing things is so high mm-hmm. and uh yeah and like the women the women usually buy into cohabitating because they're like oh now maybe now maybe now he'll take things more seriously and now i mm-hmm. can I can love him in closer proximity and he can love me. And the guy usually is just like, cool, sex now. Cool, mm-hmm. I get to have sex all the time. So the woman's doing it for love, the guy's doing it for sex. And it turns out to be um, a conflict of interests. And the guy doesn't, like, it, the girl considers it usually a time for him to see him man up, to see mm-hmm. him like, cool, he's going to man up and like take care of me. But that's rarely the case because. There, there's the like commitment factor is still like yeah let me let me read this passage from yeah. from one of her um uh patients is that the yeah i guess so correct clients. term clients uh describing why she didn't break up with now her ex-husband oh yeah um she says we had all this furniture we had our dogs and all of the same friends. We had a week- weekend routine. It just made it really, really difficult to break up. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, that's like a really sad way to describe it. But like cohabitating before marriage uh, makes it much more difficult to break up. But also, and it's because you create all of those routines and stuff with somebody. Uh, she, she describes it... Um, as a slide, like sliding into mm-hmm. marriage. Um, because like, well, all of this 
makes sense now, so we should just get married. And she really describes it as dating down. So like mm. oftentimes women will, like in her examples at least, um, it was mainly the, the woman, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be. People will date someone that is not somebody that they necessarily think that they would marry. And and like the barrier to living together seems lower in their minds than than the barrier to getting married. And so they're mm-hmm. dating down with they they end up living with somebody that they don't think is marriage material, but then the costs for switching become so high that they just right. kind of slide into into being married to one another even though if they had never been living together, they probably would have already broken up because they right. both they they both see that they probably aren't super compatible aren't super compatible to get married right and so and, and so like she isn't even condemning living together in in the book she's just saying that if your end goal is marriage living together before you're married creates a circumstance that isn't necessarily the the most conducive to actually finding out if it's the person that you want to get married to, Mm -hmm. because the costs for getting out of that relationship once living together are much higher Mm -hmm. and it becomes much easier to just end up married, which is, is like a sad sentence. Yeah. Yeah. We just ended up married. Like that's not how anybody wants that described. Right. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, yeah, that, that was, that was a big section of the love section. It wasn't the whole section, but that was definitely a big takeaway in, in the love section. Yeah, uh, that I think is particularly relevant to twenty somethings. Yep. Um, one of the other things in the love section was j- just like people dating somebody based off of the the wrong things. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like they they want they think they want one thing, but the reality is that the criteria that they should be mm-hmm. looking for is 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 much more. It's much different from that, and and she kind of goes through a list of things like like compatible personalities of like yep. happily married couples. Like people are much more likely to be happily married if their personalities are actually very similar mm. to to one another. Like there needs to be a similarity there, so that their understanding of things and their spouse's understanding of things actually align mm-hmm. pretty well with one one mm-hmm. another. And their rea- the way they react to things actually aligns pretty well to one, one another. Mm-hmm. And it's like those type of differences. Because very few people, and, and she, she makes a point, like very few people are going to marry somebody that they're diametrically opposed on extremely important issues. Right. But but they'll, they'll marry people that, that like in the day-to-day things they're not going to see eye to eye on. Right. And, and that is what causes a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was, there was one of the examples was one woman who, um, the, the guy she was dating, he, he was, he loved her and she loved him and they really enjoy their time together. They talk a lot. They like have a lot of really good conversations and everything like that. But like, there were some things that she just didn't. She felt a little bit unsure about because he um, he wasn't super tall. He didn't have um, he didn't have the greatest sense of fashion. Um, there, her her friend 
for her for her birthday, her friend told him to get her irises or something like some uh, lilies, mm-hmm. and he didn't get her lilies, but mm-hmm. like he did something else, and she was just like he just that he just you know there's just some things like that that I'm just like ugh, and uh, the therapist the author was like, let me tell you a story. My husband when I gave birth in in the hospital, my husband was there with me for like the whole t- the whole time. Mm-hmm. And a nurse it was, had, it was like an 18 hour labor or yeah, something like that. And the nurse had, yeah, for real so much. And the nurse had to tell him like, go get some food, like go down and get food. Mm-hmm. And, um, he went down and then came up with one hot dog, one beer and like one thing of fries or whatever. Like, yeah. And she was like, just holding, you know, holding the baby or something like just like enraged when he came up because she's like, he didn't think of me. He didn't get me anything like he only got himself stuff, but, um, it, but when, when, then when he like left to go to the bathroom or something like that, her sister was like, I think the sister like ushered him out and was like, Hey, go, go eat in the lobby real quick. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. And then, so she was talking to her sister and she was like, can you believe that? Can you believe it? And she was like, her sister was like, he was here for all of that. Like, like most of that 18 hours. Mm-hmm. And then he finally had to be told to go downstairs to get food because he wasn't going to leave on his own. And when he came up with, you know, and with, then he came back as quickly as possible. He, yeah, he came back as quickly as possible. And so it just kind of like uh, she offered some. I, perspective. I think she had a C-section, and so oh. she couldn't eat, and so oh. that was part of it too. Like she I was see. like, "How inconsiderate that he's going to come eat in front of me, oh, knowing yeah. that I can't eat." Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like it, just the perspective gained by her sister was just like very necessary, and also to give to that client, like, like he, you know, he like. He loves you. He loves you so much. There's no denying that. And when and then she said she even like when she came back in another session, she was like, "It was our like we had our anniversary and and he my my uh like and he took me out and we went we went on an adventure. We went to, into nature and did all this stuff or mm-hmm. whatever. And we came back and I told him like, "Why didn't you get me lilies? You oh and but her friend did get her lilies. Mm-hmm. Her friend." Bought, bought her lilies for, for or it, maybe it was her birthday again or something like that. But a friend bought her lilies, and her friend always said, "Don't settle, don't settle." Oh yeah, of course, because because that's like a mantra of of the twenty something is mm-hmm. is to not settle. Yep, yep. And uh, she was like, "My friend got me lilies." Like I'm just, she was just acting kind of bummed or whatever. And he's like, "What's up? My friend got me lilies, and you didn't like, like." And he was like, "We just spent the past two days going on an insane adventure, like." Mm-hmm. I can't like, I I like Lily's like the perspective was just so ne- and she realized she's like oh yeah I guess and she just kind of came around but it was just kind of like the perspective of things when it comes down to commitment it's like well and it really was matters. it was it it was there was like two parts in there of uh the the the, the author Meg J was was trying to get her to realize like. One, she's listening to her friend that, like... Oh, yeah. Hasn't been married and hasn't had a successful relationship or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and probably not the wisest person to listen to on, on relationships. Right. And then, and then, two, that just because, like, your prospective partner doesn't respond in the way that you think you want that person to respond doesn't mean that they're not responding in a love 
yeah, in a healthy, loving way. And, and you should, you need to recognize that and, and like consider the merits of, of that interaction on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, not based on your own assumptions of what you think you want mm-hmm. from the situation. Yeah. There's so much good stuff. So, so much rich stuff in that love section. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think overall this was a very uh, thought provoking book mm-hmm. about just life as a 20 something. And, and so I, I have one more quote that um, is kind of from the beginning that I thought, I thought was really good. Uh, that kind of describes some of the sentiment of of like the hopes, the thoughts of twenty somethings, and um, and kind of like a little bit of a reality check mm-hmm. um, that like needs to happen from time to time. And so this is what what it it is. Um, so she's talking to to her client Kate, and she says, "I told Kate." that while most therapists would agree with Socrates that the unexamined life is not worth living, a lesser-known quote by American psychologist Sheldon Kopp uh, might be more important. Mm -hmm. The unlived life is not worth examining. Yeah. And so, like, as as we're kind of wrapping this pod Mm -hmm. uh, up at the end, um, yeah, I, I I think that's an important distinction to make. You know, we we do end up paralyzed by analyzing our lives in the way that that like jam experiment shows is, mm-hmm. is, you know, we have all these options, whether in work or in love and, and we, you know, want to make sure we're making the correct decisions. Um, and, and so the tendency for 20 somethings um, is to, over-examine, like, is this job going to make me happy? Is this relationship going to make me happy? Um, you know, how is all of this going to affect me? And and it's very inward-focused, and it's it's like examining. And meanwhile, months and years are, like, ticking by as as we're, we're focused on trying to figure out, like, like, what is the correct decision here to make? And, and you know, I think that's an important note to end on is – you know, ultimately, if if all we do is sit around thinking about the possible choices that we could make and whether or not those would be good choices, and we never actually make any choices, um, you know, the the unlived life isn't worth examining. 